Hey friends, this is Cynthia with SimpleCynthia.com and with Spread Hope Online, one word at a time. One of the latest blog posts that I wrote at SimpleCynthia.com is called Unphotographed. And you absolutely loved it. And I realized, oops, I did not record a podcast. So I wanted to do that today and I hope that you enjoy. I hope that you're encouraged and let me know what you think. My summers are not measured by bragging rights. I say this because most of what we do can be qualified as a great social media post. Highlight reels are filled with beautiful images from faraway lands where beautiful people look perfect, even when they are looking natural. Those who stay in town have the hottest tickets available. There is nothing wrong with those scenarios. I rejoice with both of them. Our summers are not quite what I described. There is nothing wrong with having a highlight reel. There is also nothing wrong with the simplicity of a summer where we do what we can with what we have. Fancy trips won't last and neither will staycations. What will truly last are the principles we are teaching. What is taught is not always captured by digital screens. I hope that I am leaving what I am teaching. So here are a few unphotographed things we are teaching the kids this summer. The first one is friends and friendships. What makes a good friend? Who should be a close friend? How do you identify good friendships? I'm not sure about you, but I cannot speak enough about friendships with my children, with my family as a whole. I learn a lot by having conversations with them. I learn a lot about their lives, the situations that they're dealing with. And I also learn how can I support them in this season of life. Our goal for speaking about friends and friendships is to inform and empower them to be good friends, not only now, but also in the future. I believe that friendship is both modeled, I believe it should be taught, and we can practice, but the skills to identify who you should be close with, who's a good friend, what makes up a good friend, I believe is important to have conversations about those things. The next topic is financial principles, how to give, how to save, how to spend wisely. That's a constant in our lives. We are always asking these questions to the kids and we are practicing these principles as well. So you see how you can photograph this stuff. <laughs> you could, but it will be challenging. The next topic is reading. How to engage in this lifelong activity that brings about good fruit. We teach that. Where do we find good books? What constitutes good reading? What other countries' literature, why and how other countries' literature matters? So we love reading. My children have been going to the public library since they were infants, which is before they knew how to read. We were already there, being part of uh, the activities, getting books. So the public library is a big part of our lives because reading is a big part of our lives. So teaching, where do you get books? How do you practice good reading skills? Reading has so many benefits, so we focus on the benefits that will empower the kids to be great people, not only now, but also in the future, okay? Another interesting thing that we have going for us is I grew up in Brazil. I came to the States to go to college, so I didn't grow up reading the books that my kids are reading right now. So literature has been 
a learning experience. As the kids are being introduced to more books and their reading levels increase, basically like my knowledge of American literature increases as well. I grew up reading Brazilian literature. That's what I know. That's what I grew up with. So we've had conversations about, hey, here are some books that we read in other countries. Here's how we see literature. And that matters because there are people, I've heard people just boast about one country's literature. When there are writers, there's works of art all over the world. I believe that brilliance, being a brilliant writer and reader and artist is not uh, just for people that live in one place. We have great thinkers as well. We have great writers as well. So we speak about that. And obviously we read in other languages. So reading is something that we're teaching only in English, but in other languages as well. And we're opening minds to think, hey, I wonder what French literature is like. I wonder what Spanish literature is like. I wonder what Mexican writers write for children. You see what I mean? So that's what we're teaching. We are also teaching time management. We started the summer with this teaching, and I wrote a blog post at simplestinchat.com. It will be in the notes for this podcast and video. So we started the teaching uh, this summer, first day of the summer. That's what we do. We teach time management. But we have to implement it, and we have to adjust it. I'm not sure about you, but I'm not a robot, (laughs) and my kids are not robots either. So we have to adjust it. There are weeks where we've had guests, we've stayed up late. Our time was a little bit more free than other weeks when it's just us and it's our summer routine. So we're constantly adjusting and just constantly thinking that we are good stewards of our time. Okay. The next topic is personal organization. Much can be said about that, but I'm going to tell you that even when we have people helping us, we all benefit from practicing personal organization principles. What do I mean? When I was a child, my mom was trying to teach me how to be personally organized by teaching me how to clean my house. And I opened my big mouth, which, I mean, I guess I was born with this big mouth. And I said, mother, I don't need to learn this because I will have a maid one day. My mother is a saint. And she said, Cynthia, even when you do have a maid, you need to know how to do this so you can supervise other people on doing it. So that's what I mean by even when we have people helping us, we benefit from practicing personal organization. In real life, we have to keep our stuff organized or it would be nice or it would be helpful because who does not like finding their stuff where it's supposed to be? So we're teaching some personal organization principles. And the goal here is not to teach a formula, but to encourage each child to find what works for them. Okay, and just to see the benefits of personal organization. It's one of those things where I am not a person who thinks the whole world should be organized. There's there's messy people out there. Okay. So what I do think we can all do is find something that works for us. Okay. The next topic is gratitude. So I'm writing a book on gratitude, and I'm amazed at how much more I need to teach on the subject. I'm going to keep my comments on this for my upcoming book, which I hope you you buy. I have blogged extensively about gratitude as well, but right now my main focus is to finish this book. But it is something that we're teaching. We even, it was my idea, 
which warms my heart, but it came up in conversation last night when we're doing devotional. So gratitude is something that I need to teach and I need to learn. I don't want to get to a place where it's just like, I have a book on gratitude. I'm the most grateful person in the world. Gratitude is one of those characteristics that we can always make improvements and grow in. The next topic is speaking to adults and younger children. Now, let me be honest, let me be honest with you. I was just going to call this speaking to adults, but I was just like, you know what? My children need to speak to learn how to speak to younger children as well. So I've been teaching this skill for years. When they were little, tiny little kids, I would take them to visit my friends with me, not friends that had fevers and that were contagious. We had a friend, for example, she broke her leg um, abroad. So when she came home, she was settled. I said, hey, the kids and I would love to come and visit you. So we did. So we prayed with her. We sang some songs. So I brought them with me because I wanted to teach them this, just this beauty of the ministry of encouragement, number one. Number two, I'm always encouraging them to speak to people who are older than they are. We have a lot of conversations with neighbors. Obviously, you have to speak to teachers. but. I've been teaching this, this skill for years because I believe it's beneficial to know how to speak to all people, not just people your age. I believe it's a blessing. I believe we were made for community, but community is made of more than my peers. Therefore, I need the people that are older than I am. I need the people that are younger than I am, okay, to truly be part of a community. So speaking to older and younger kids is something that we teach. We believe that it is important to connect with all generations in a respectable and honorable manner. Again, it is modeled. They have to see me doing it and they have to have the opportunity to practice it, okay? The next skill that we are teaching that cannot be photographed is biblical appreciation. I say appreciation because I was never taught to memorize scripture for the sake of memorization. I did memorize passages in Bible verses as a child because of I was using it so much. But appreciation was birthed because I observed enthusiasm, love, and passion for the Bible in the lives of the adults around me. They showed me how to appreciate it organically. It was really and truly part of everyday life. So looking back, I thought, Maybe they were doing it on purpose. I hope they were because the Bible does tell us to teach the word to our next generation, right? So summers are great opportunities for me to do that for the kids, and I'm grateful. So the next question is just like, so great, good for you. Like, how are you doing it? Well, I decided when the kids were little that I would not read my Bible on my phone, but... I want their memories of me to be of me reading a book because with phones, especially now, social media has changed so much of what we use, the way we use our phones and apps as well. And I'm thankful for this. But as a little kid, I knew that they would not be able to think, is she on Facebook? Is she on the Bible? Is she on TikTok? Like what what's going on in here? So it is important for me that they see me holding a book and reading a book. Honestly. This year, I also, I think I wrote about that at simplesense.com, reading the physical Bible, like with the paper, my brain connects with it better than I do in digital form. My eyes get a little break from the glare. 
it's been wonderful. So I'm hoping that appreciation will come from this. We also speak about what I'm reading. I don't infantilize the Bible because I believe God wrote it for all of us. Obviously, our understanding and our knowledge and our skill grows, but the spirit receives what God has to give before our brains do. So I speak about what I'm reading. And we've been able to have conversations. The past 48 hours were very interesting because I was hesitant about to speak about a certain topic, which I'm seeing, I'm in First Chronicles, I'm seeing over and over in the Old Testament. Well, one of my kids kind of had a, a question. I was just like, well, let me tell you about what I'm reading. And I told her, and I, guys, it's nothing like R-rated. It's just kind of part of life, okay? But if I tell what it is, it won't take forever. So just text me and I'll tell you exactly what it is. But anyway, so... I spoke about what I was reading. So that night, I had not read the Bible in a year yet. So I told the kids, hey, for our devotional tonight, instead of reading the book of John, let's listen to what I'm reading so I can get my reading done. And then we can pray and call in the night. So I read <laughs> First Chronicles. And if you guys remember, there's a lot of names in there. So I had the opportunity to teach them what my parents and my mentors taught me. Behind every name, there's a story. Every person there matters. There's also the fact that these are Jewish people. They have different traditions than we Brazilians do, yada, yada, yada. But I was able to show that. And there was a small paragraph that was such a strong lesson on obeying the Lord fully and not following after other gods. And that's the conversation that I was having with my kid like that morning. So I was just like, oh, it's right here. Did you see what we're talking about? So from that moment on, if they go to Sunday school, if we're in church, they're like, oh, mom, we spoke about they, We spoke about this. We spoke about that. So I want the Bible that I read to be part of my conversation. And the only way I can do that, friends, is if I'm not a secret agent for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my kids to know what, what I'm reading. And I understand like some uh, situations are challenging. Um, some people live in households where people don't want to know. Um, there's also these wonderful things out there called Bible studies. <laughs> and I know in my Bible study, everybody was reading the Bible in a year or a lot of people were. So they would stop and talk to me about these things. And it would be so encouraging, edifying. I would learn from them. We would encourage one another. But back to kids and teaching. The most the wisest thing to do is to stop. Don't think about your barrier right now. Don't think about, well, my kid's 17. He's about to leave the house. You know, he's not going to talk to me about Chronicles, ain't you? But you serve the God who made, created, structure your kid. He can give you wisdom on how to teach biblical appreciation, even at that age. We learn to appreciate things at older ages. For example, I didn't grow up going to museums in Rio. We have amazing museums. And as a teenager, on my way to English uh, language school, I would, the bus would, would always pass by one of our main libraries in Rio. And I was fascinated. And obviously I studied history in high school and in, you know, uh, middle school. So I appreciated. Italian painters. I had never been to like to the museum to actually see them. I've been to different museums, you know. So 
at some point in my life, I decided I have a day off. I'm going to get off the bus and I'm going to go to the museum. Monet was in town. I saw the advertisement and I said, this is my time. I went by myself. I loved it. So I learned to appreciate painters and artists as an adult. So this is a very simple, very silly example to say the same thing can happen to your kids in the Bible. I've been a kid that has been in church for a, a long time. Uh, my parents always talk, took me to church and I've seen them read the Bible. My siblings started reading the Bible as a habit quicker than I had. My appreciation didn't start like to read it as a habit every day until after I had my kids and I was in touch with my mentor, the teacher at mirrorministries.com. That's when I started reading the Bible all the time. I appreciated the book. I loved the book, but I wasn't in touch. I wasn't in awe. I didn't think I would find the love and the need that I have to read this book until it was after 2012, 2013, 2014. That's when I started. So there's hope. <laughs> there's hope for your 17-year-old. So just stop. Don't consider your barriers right now. Do consider you're a God and pray. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you hope. And we can all do this, guys. We can teach biblical appreciation to our children. Okay? So there's so much more. Um, last week and most weeks, we try to polish our Brazilian Portuguese. That's something that I don't photograph, but there's something that we do. Um, we also work on uh, the kids being public speakers. They're all different. They all have different skill levels, different passions, different uh, mannerisms. They all, they're, even when they speak, like their cadences are different. So we're trying to cultivate all of that. You know, my goal is to raise children who honor the Lord and who serve Him and who are going to be the answer to some of the problems that the world is facing today, right? And serving God and by teaching them these things, I believe that, sorry, they're watching something. Um, I believe that that's going to happen. I have faith. You know, only God is responsible for the future. But as a parent, I know I can only do my part. So I'm trying to be a good steward of that. I'm saying all of that to say that there's a lot of trial and error that happens in all that I'm telling you. So I need to tell you about the error part, because again, I don't want this to be like, oh my God, you're so perfect. Look at all these things that you're teaching. You know what I mean? I succeed by failing. For example, some of my ideas for my kids do not work. For years, I had a dream of having the Listen Be Running Club. I love running. I envisioned all of us with our running shirts, just sweating and just looking angelic, right? Running the streets. Well, my kids were just like, mommy, I love you, but I love swimming. I'm a swimmer. So we're just like, all right. And then even recently, just like, do I need to get them up early and get them out there running? And they're just like, mommy, we enjoyed doing a triathlon. Can you find us another triathlon? We'll totally do that. You can train to shoot a triathlon, like the running part, because we got the swimming and we got the biking. So I'm like, huh. It's so I, I'm flexible. It's just like I, you try 
it doesn't work. And then you kind of find what works. Okay. So there's a lot of um, mercy and grace in there. Uh, this particular error taught me to keep sowing good seeds so that I can see what pops up in the listen, be garden of life. That's what I call it. Um, I also failed in so many other areas, which we don't have time to talk about today. This is not a perfect formula. Um, I have weeks where parenting is challenging. I have weeks where I'm giving my best. My patience is on point and I don't see the response that I think I should get. And that's when I get on my knees again. And I say, God, help me. God, give me wisdom. These are your children. You love them more than I do. Would you help me to be the parent that you have called me to do? Being the parent that God's calling us to do, and I want to finish with that, is not glamorous, is not a highlight reel. It requires tenacity. It requires persistence. And I think before the tenacity and the persistence, it requires us humbling ourselves before God and just recognizing we don't know everything, but God does. We don't know how the kids are going to react to the things that we're teaching. We don't know if they quite get it, but God does. He knows everything. So we can find peace in that. We can have hope in that as well. My friend, this is all that I have for today. I don't know where you are in your parenting journey. I pray that this will be an encouragement, a resource. And I want to remind you that you don't need the fancy stuff in order to make a lasting impact in your children's life. And the only reason why I know that is because of what I read in the Bible. And it was because of what it was done to me. The way I grew up was a very humble, but very Christ-like way. There were very few glam moments as we have in this generation, but every day there were God moments. There were moments of surrender. There were moments of brokenness. There were moments where people were not following God or doing what he was telling us to do per se, but you know what? I also saw them repenting and saying, hey, I'm sorry, and just following after God again, and that made the biggest impact in my life. This is your friend Cynthia with simplecincha.com. It was spread hope online, one word at a time. Bye. And I will see you next time.